dear church family and dear church brethren, we continue with our Bible study series on the evils of feminism. On the evils of feminism. <clears throat> In part one and two, we briefly looked at the, the, the history and the beginnings of the, the feminist movement. And we really saw that really from the start, uh, the, the roots really of the feminist movement were rotten to the core. We also looked at the first wave of feminism, which was the first wave of it, and then we looked at the second wave of feminism. But for this evening, we'll be looking, in our third overview session, we'll be looking at the third and fourth wave of feminism, and that's what we're living through at the moment. <clears throat> and so, once we finish this third overview session on feminism, we'll then be looking at the particulars on how the, the feminist movement really has affected our marriages, our families, and even life itself, and of course the, the Christian church, and how we are viewed by our culture. And so if you can remember in, our, uh, in what we learned in the first wave of feminism, that the first wave feminists sought to, to be completely independent from a man. It started off, didn't it, with the vote. <clears throat> And then it developed into so much more to be financially independent from a man and sexually independent from a man. The second wave feminists went a step further. They sought to act and be like a man. And the third and fourth wave feminists, <clears throat> which we're looking at this evening, from the 1990s up until our present day, are seeking the absolute rejection of men, the absolute rejection and actually ruin of men, especially masculine, responsible, chaste, Christian men. They are, that's their aim, really. And it's sad to say that most church leaders, sadly even within reform circles, remain definitely, definitely Definitely, I can't even say that word. Definitely silent on the subject as the bombing and the shelling, really, of the feminist ideology continues to really tear apart marriages and families and our churches. We Bible-believing Christians must remember if our increasingly feministic culture continues to destroy the biblical truths of what it means to be a father, what it means to be a husband, what it means to be a wife, a mother, a child, within a family, within a marriage, if it continues to carry on its course without resistance from God's people, what will become of the preaching of the gospel that often pictures a family, a father, if a father doesn't mean a father anymore, according to what the scripture says, and, and these truths, what's going to become of the gospel? And we see already this eroding, don't we? Mm. Let us not forget that according to 1 Corinthians 6, 9, to be an effeminate man is a sin which brings down God's wrath. That's a 1 Corinthians 6, 9. It's a sin. <clears throat> being effeminate, according to the Bible, is being Womanish. It's being like a woman. It's acting like a woman. It's taking on a woman's 
characteristics and a woman's roles, essentially. And so third and fourth wave fem feminism has been incredibly successful in convincing men that they need to be more like women. They need to be more like women. And they've succeeded in many ways. Our culture is so far down the road. Third and fourth wave feminism, of course, is far more radical than, than, than the other ways. It's also been very successful in convincing women that they, they need to be the new men. They need to be the leaders. They need to be the ones that are responsible for the finances, responsible for the families. They're the one that needs to lead in the church. They, they're the one that needs to take on all these responsibilities. And it's completely unbiblical, isn't it? A new generation, really, of slothful, feministic men are being raised who do not care for marriage, family, family, and uh, and many manly biblical responsibilities. They just don't care anymore. Many able-bodied men, and, and even in the prime of their life, really uh, now refuse to work unless they get exactly what they want. And really, the recent pandemic really showed this, didn't it, in the UK. I mean, I work in the line of manufacturing with engineers, and I speak to many owners of engineering companies. And many of these owners told me, well, he said, a lot of my men are telling me, well, they, they want, they, they want to, be, to be furloughed. And I said, well, the manufacturing can stay open, but they want to be furloughed. They want to go down the pub and be with their mates and drink, you see. And there is this irresponsibility. Or they want to be on the golf course or do this or some other thing. I spoke to one company of an engineering company. And engineers are in very short supply in the UK now. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a desperate need to get engineers. And, and this one company I spoke to... This, this owner, he had about four or five engineers working for him, and he said to me, all of his staff grouped together, and basically, they said, if you don't furlough us, we're going to leave, essentially. So they put him in a very predicament situation. He ended up having to sack and pay, of course, the fees for them, this huge amount, literally put his company under, in fact, he actually had to close his company down and reopen as a one-man band sell all his machines, and uh, they put him in such a situation. But that, dear friends, is what I'm talking about. This, 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 this slothful, irresponsible, feministic approach, which, which I'm sad to say, has affected many people in the UK. And the UK, I, I believe, is one of the leaders in the West. But of course, it's very prevalent in the, in the States, and across the world. Men in our feministic culture are becoming incredibly lazy, careless, irresponsible, because they're no longer leading anymore, as the Bible says. In their homes, in their marriages, in the churches, in society, we're called to lead. And deep down, deep down, under, a man really wants to, to lead. There is, there is this this, this desire that God has put in every man to lead. 
But we've been told over and over again, you must not assert yourself, you see. We must, tell them, we must not be deceived into thinking that, that it, we, can still be, we can still lead, but be very reasonable and very sensitive and very loving. We can still be all these things, you see, but we, we've been so entrenched with feminism. The Word of God says in Psalm 127, verse 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labour in vain that build it. You see, unless we do things God's way, we may have all the luxuries, the creature comforts here in the West, and, and try to get all these things which the nations give their hearts to, the education, and all these things. And I'm not against education, I'm not against qualifications, and all these things. We might really give ourselves these things, but, but if the Lord's not in it, if, if we're not taking these decisions, these major decisions in life, and we're being governed by the Word of God, and our decision-making process, especially in the big things of life, is heartily done to the Lord, then it's all for nothing, isn't it? We need not lean on our own understanding and what our culture tells us to do, or what Hollywood tells us to do. We need to depend upon the Lord and His ways. We must depend upon the Lord and the foundational truths in the Word of God that he has for our marriages, for our young people, for our families, and for our churches. For 1900 years, we Christians believed in these things. But we, of course, in these enlightened days, I call them the, the, the endarkenment, uh, we think that we know better than the Reformers did, than the Puritans did. We know better, we're more enlightened. I believe that we often use our, our liberty in the Lord really as an excuse, and many such people do such things in this day, and, and it really, the, the grace and salvation in the Lord should never ever be used as an, as an excuse, really, to live in sin or to compromise. The sad reality is that the feminist movement is convincing more and more men that they are no longer wanted in our culture, and their words they're not only doing this with their words, they're doing it through government policy and, of course, through much media sentiment as well. It's all over the place. When I drive to work in the morning, I hear it on the radio. Women's empowerment this and, and all these things. There's an attack, isn't there? A continual attack. It is a, a statistical fact that men in the UK now are three times more likely to commit suicide in the UK, three times more likely. They are two and a half times more likely to die from drug uh, abuse in the UK. They are more than two times more likely to die from alcohol abuse in the, in the UK. You see, dear church family, for years now, the working class man has been attacked systematically and deliberately by the feminist movement. And in fact, their rallying cry is that men must fail for women to thrive. That's their rallying cry, these third and fourth wave feminists. And they've got so much power now in high places. But you can Google it. That's their rallying cry. Men must fail for women to, to thrive. In other words, they must no longer be responsible for women. They must no longer be responsible 
to lead in the home and in, and in uh, society and in churches. They must no longer, they must, they must be like women. That's what they're really calling. They must fail. We want them to fail, you see. That's really is the attitude. And dear friends, the Word of God says, doesn't it, that any man provide not for his own, he's denied the faith. That's our heart must be, our men's hearts must be what's this my responsibility, and we could all be deceived on this. It's my responsibility to look after my wife, to protect my wife, and not only my, my wife, my, my children, but also have a heart for some of my other extended family as well. If they fall upon, upon difficult times, my, what happens? What happens with, with my mum and my, you know, my, my, my parents? Do I just throw them into an old age home and forget about them? Not according to the Bible. You see, men have just forgotten these things in our feministic culture. We've become, become so selfish. We must have our three holidays a year. We must have our creature comforts. We must have all these things. And we've given our hearts to the temporary instead of souls. And it's a shame. It's a shame. I'm not saying that we cannot have creature comforts, and I'm not, I'm not saying that it's bad to have a times of, of rest and of vacation, all these things, but, but we must get back to the scriptures, surely. We, and so we see this attack, don't we? As I mentioned last time, there's been a great shift of mothers from the 1950s, where 75% of all mothers uh, were at home. Uh, and uh, you can speak to people. Uh, when I first started to do evangelism in Tipton, I knocked on a door and I spoke to an elderly woman there and I, and I said about the days that she lived in. And she said, ah, yes. She put her head down. And she wasn't even a Christian. She remembers that what it used to be like. Of course, there's still sin back then. But the great shift 75% of mothers in the 1950s. And now it's almost 80% in, in a complete opposite direction. Uh, mothers at work, as it were, giving themselves, as it were, to the, to the temporary, instead of souls, instead of blessings, as it were. There's been this shift, hasn't there, that's brought a negative shift in government policy, which is, which is towards marriage and education. There's massive, a massive shift now. On our marriage and education, which has become very ungodly. The working class man is now really competing with those whom God has intended to be his greatest helper from an earthly perspective. And that's not just like the devil, isn't it? To turn things on its side, as it, as it were. And so this means that men's responsibilities in providing for their families and for their children and their marriages is getting far harder. The foundations, of course, have been destroyed, haven't they? It's, it's, it's far more difficult now. But I, I believe we, we men must take a step of faith. But we must train our young men to be responsible, to have a vision for these things. We must not follow the culture's way of doing things. We're called a peculiar people, aren't we? We don't just follow uh, rudderously what our culture says, well, this is what you should be doing, this is what your children should be doing. No. There's a better way, isn't there? Sadly, many men's hearts are failing them in this respect. Many men now are delaying marriage 
aren't they, right up into their late 30s. I think it's like 37, 38 on average now, and the, the, the UK now, getting married in the UK. And, dear friends, of course this comes with consequences. Far less children are now, and so this creates a culture of very irresponsible men who often drink too much, go to the pub with their mates, hang out, go for bar crawls, and you see gangs of men, don't you, going out, and gangs of women going out, and this has become the norm in our, in our culture now. It's created a culture of incredibly irresponsible, lazy, and careless men who drink a lot uh, because they, they're not, not in the securities and confines of marriage, they watch porn often, they play TV games, they live incredibly careless lives. And we must get back to the old parts. And similarly, we see career-minded women becoming incredibly frustrated with the narrow pool of men to choose from who are responsible. And so it's a vicious circle, isn't it? It's a vicious circle. All of the, 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 what feminine has, has promised is completely ruinous to our families and to our marriage and to our children and to our churches. The third and fourth wave uh, feminist movement was led by the so-called Generation X people, uh, the baby boomers, I think they're also called, could be wrong about that, born in the 1960s and the 1970s. The sexual revolution, that ungodly revolution, where the constraints were, which were taken off really. And in fact, many of, of, of these radical feminists in the 1960s and the 1970s very thoroughly and earnestly trained their children with even more radical views. They, they were very, very, uh, uh, very fervent in training their children to become even more radical than themselves and to get into positions of influence and power in society, that they can push this ideology, you see. And this, this is exactly, really, the reason why we, who, who, who are true Christians, and who love the Lord, and who love His ways and His Word, that we need to train up our children in the ways of the Lord. It's our responsibility. Nowhere in the Scriptures does the Lord say for us to advocate our children to the state, and for the greater half, greater part of the day, leave that our responsibility to people who do not are who are not invested in their souls, who do not care for their souls, really. And I've met many uh, teachers in the public school system, and no doubt there there are some Christians, very very few, but by and large. The Christian people who I have met in the public school system are complete socialists, Marxists. That they they really are incredibly antagonistic to to, to the Lord and, and His Word, and and they are, are what teach are teaching the next generation. Really, they hate the Word of God, and they're not afraid to say it. And we must do things differently. One of third and fourth wave feminism's leading proponents was Rebecca Walker, a feminist writer and activist who focused on women's empowerment in terms of gender, politics, race, 
and social justice. Watch out for that word, women's empowerment and social justice. It was women like her within the feminist movement that was largely behind the push behind homosexuality and the rights for men to be married. They pushed it, which of course is a rejection of men everywhere, isn't it? And of course for the natural use of a woman. These feminists wanted to use sexuality as a means to gain power over men, women's empowerment. They wanted to weaponize their bodies, in effect, to get to get in positions uh, through it by using contraceptive contraceptives. Both men and women could put off marriage, marriage um, and delay marriage, and in effect, delay souls from coming into the, into the world. Which, of course, all these evils led to the evils of the dating industry. The dating industry is, is, is evil. But many churches today are practicing, young people are practicing dating. It's completely unbiblical. There's no biblical warrant for them. It's a, typically an American phenomenon. And it's, it's completely ungodly. It's a practice for divorce. It's awful. And we're teaching our young people that this is okay. It leads, of course, to fleeting, empty, shallow, casual relationships. Many broken hearts in our families and in our young people. We see it in colleges and schools and workplaces. The utter devastation. And we've completely left off, haven't we, the Word of God. And by and large, children in our, in our feminist culture today are, are seen now as hindrances. I, I hear it all the time. They're, be, they're seen as burdens and as hindrances to one's fun. And, and to one's career. And they're, they're not seen as blessings, as the Word of God says. And it's so sad, friends. Psalm 127, 3, 4, and 5 says, Lo, children are an inheritance of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. They're a heritage, aren't they? They're, they're a reward. If we diligently, by God's grace, and, and depending upon the Lord, bring them up in His ways. God does promise us, and He does bring blessings upon us. It goes on to say, As arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his, his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Now whether the Lord God in His providence and His sovereignty gives you one child, or even none, or gives you twenty children, it doesn't matter, but they are still arrows in a, a, a Christian godly man's quiver. They are, they are described, children, as arrows. Why? Well, they are arrows for Christian parents to sharpen and to educate and train in the law. It's their responsibility. It always has been. For 1900 years, Christians, by and large, believed in these things. And it's, it's, it's our responsibility to sharpen them and by faith shoot them into the future by God's grace. They are going to be our defense in the faith in the years to come. Hence the command to honor one's mother and father. It's not a, it's not a fleshly thing. This is because they could prolong the, the faith in the land. That, that, that if we bring them up in God's ways, the faith in Christ 
can be prolonged in the land. You see. But the sad thing is we're no longer seeing them as arrogance anymore. In fact, we're handing over God's blessings, what he has given to us to be good stewards of, straight back over to the enemy. We're sending them back into spiritual Egypt, as it were. Back, giving them back to Pharaoh. Sending our children back into the public school system. Being educated by people who are not invested in their, in their souls, who do not care for their souls. And guess what? Those arrows are being shot straight back at us. And no wonder why we're seeing many young people completely disinterested in, in carrying on in the faith. And in fact, according to a Southern Baptist survey, something like over 80% of, of Christian children uh, that have been brought up in, in the church, in the, in the church uh, when they go to college and university, leave the faith altogether. 80% of, of, of these children. And we, we must start thinking differently. Biblically, we must call for an exodus, as it were. It's far gone now in the, in the, in the night. As it were. We must call for an exodus. The pastors, preachers, ministers must call. We must get our children out of this ungodly system. We must do things differently and think differently and return to the old paths which our forefathers believed in. Charles Spurgeon once said, Those who think that a woman detained at home by a little family is doing nothing think the reverse of what is true. Scarcely can the, can the godly mother quit her home for a place of worship, but dream not that she has lost to the work of the church. Far from it. She is doing the best possible service for her Lord. And this is quite amazing that he says, Mothers, the godly training of your offspring is your first and most pressing duty. How often have you heard that quote from Spurgeon in churches nowadays? Mothers, the godly training of your offspring is your first and most pressing duty. I believe if, Christ, if, our, if our Christian forefathers here were today, the Spurgeons, the Whitfields, the Reformers, the Puritans, if they were here living in our day and they, they saw how we Christians were living in terms of the worldliness, of our compromise, in terms of our parenting, they would be thundering down the pulpit, as it were, calling people, Christians, to take their children out of the public school system. They would be absolutely thundering down uh, the, the pulpit. And it, it does mean that we will be worse off financially, more than likely, but I believe if more and more people return to these old paths, I believe that together, if we if we united in these things, then we can help one another. And I do believe the Lord blesses that step of faith. With mouths of God provides means. You know, in John Calvin's day, the God-given institution of marriage was despised simply, and had a very low view on marriage, simply because of the Roman Catholic's uh, uh, church's push on celibacy. They pushed this, and around about a third of the people in Europe, probably more than that, had an incredibly low view of marriage and of celibacy. And they, they, they thought, well, it's more virtuous. And of course, many of these people uh, were not, it, celibacy wasn't right for them. And so when Calvin, of course, came on the scene, and, and his very high view for the Word of God, and he came and, and 
Of course, we know the Reformation started before that. Uh, but he also came with the Reformation of the family as well. He spoke really on the, the great uh, blessings of marriage and, and, and of family. And he spoke about these things, the abuses of the Catholic Church. Uh, and he brought back these things on, on how uh, uh, young people are to marry. And they shouldn't withhold from marriage. And, but we see, don't we, the, and, and that's what we need. We need a reformation in our families and in our marriages. It says in our reading earlier in Malachi 2.15, And did not he make one? Yet had he the residue of the Spirit, and wherefore one, that he might seek a godly seed. That he might seek a godly seed. Now I know that some people cannot have children, and the Lord understands, and, and it doesn't matter if you have children or not, that the, what God looks at is the desire, the desire of the heart, that we want to do God's word, that we want to bring our children up, that we want to be obedient to the Lord. Third and fourth way of feminism do not want godly seed. They do not want that, do they? And like I said last time, for, from, I can't remember the exact date, but from a certain date, I think it was the 1800s to the 1965, every woman, on average, well, on average, women were having six children per woman. Now that went down in the 1965s, it just literally fell off a cliff like that. If you look at the graph and Google this, it literally fell off a cliff to about 2.1 or something like that. Now, in, in England, it's something like 1.5 now in, in England. A culture needs at least 2.5 to survive. Hence the policies on migration, amongst other things. Um, because we, we need labour because we're not, no longer having children anymore. And guess what? When we open up the door to the, to the world, they bring their gods with them, don't they? The false gods. That's why we live in a pluralistic culture. And so these have massive effects. Um, we must get back to the ways of the Lord. And so these fourth and fifth, uh, third and fourth wave feminists, they've been, they were much influenced by the postmodernist movement, which seeks to question and redefine biblical hierarchy, gender roles, marriage, the traditional family unit, and of course masculinity. They want to redefine things, rename things. And don't we see that in our culture? The pulling down of statues, the, 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 the shutting down of any conservative opinion on the internet, you have to be silenced if you believe in a hierarchy, like the Bible teaches. And it's a loving hierarchy, isn't it? And not many have escaped. Not many people have escaped this feministic fishing trawler, as it were, and its dumbing down effect on us, and in particular upon males, with Hollywood ideals, and movies and sitcoms, they always portray the man, don't they, as the weak, the foolish, bumbling idiot, as it were, the one that's very irresponsible, the one that's very careless, 
Or they show it on the other extreme, a gross masculinity to make people live their lives through their TV screen, their bonds. Or this gross, grotesque masculinity. These few people who are massively muscly and get everything, all these things. So you all have yeah, yeah, one or the other, as it were. And they always show these things, don't they? And also, they have sexualized children's toys, Barbie dolls and everything, haven't they? To, to fit this narrative. And also, children's programs. They've all been uh, feminized, amongst other things, uh, as it were, that highly subliminal, subliminal children's, these messages, these hidden messages. And really, only if you're a true discerning Christian, you'll be able to pick up on these things. If you're close to the Lord, I mean, I was deceived for many years. As a Christian, I was deceived for many years. It's not until people started challenging me on these things, and actually I started to read them, they pointed to the scripture and thought, I have been so deceived on these things for so many years now. And so we can all be deceived, can't we? Rebecca Walker, who I mentioned earlier, once said, turn that outrage into political power. Do not vote for them, talking about men, unless they work for us. Do not have sex with them. Do not break bread with them. Do not nurture them if they do not prioritize our freedom to control our bodies and live our lives. See that? A detachment. A complete detachment from marriage, from family. It's, it's, it's like I said, it's like detaching Christ from the, from the Father. The, 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 the God is a picture of a family unit. It's like detaching it. And feminists, that's what they want to do. They, they detach themselves from responsibility within a marriage, within a family, to be completely independent, and in fact, for them to be the new men. And like we said last time as well, that God said in his word that when children and women rule over us in a culture, we're under God's judgment. That's what that God has said. That's just a curse upon, upon, upon a nation. And I believe that's what we're seeing. We, women, Christian, we, we love uh, our women, don't we? Talking from a Christian perspective. We want the best for our women. And the best is God's way. I, 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 I really don't want to come across as if I'm having a go at anyone here. Because men and women need each other. And we, we need to do things God's way. And you see, Rebecca Walker said this response. This was a response to a man called Clarence Thompson. Some of you may know Clarence Thompson. He was appointed as a justice in America, and they literally slandered him. You can watch it, actually. They literally slandered this, this, this man. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if he's a Christian. I, I think he is, but I might be wrong about that. But he's definitely a, a conservative, responsible, masculine man. And the feminists and the feministic men went to town upon him. They slandered him something terrible. And they wanted to do anything to stop this man from getting into the high, the Supreme High Court as a justice. In other words, they, the justices in America would have the final court of appeal. And they tried to do anything to try to stop him. There's something now called elite feminism, which dominates higher education, Hollywood, big tech, and media. It's called elite. And they are the champions, and they boast about this, 
of critical race theory, identity politics, and many other branches which came from the same Marxist uh, tree, as it were. And they are behind many of these things. And we, we must be on guard, dear friends. It's no wonder why we often hear on the radio or the media that the traditional masculine family or man is evil. We, we hear it all the time, don't we? It's evil. And it's often we, they must be shut down. Any person who, has, who, has, who upholds biblical manhood or masculinity must be shut down. They cannot, they cannot even speak their opinions now. It is, it is evil for a man now to be assertive, and this is in a loving way and in a reasonable way. This is not a man being mean. This is in a loving way, in a way that wants to protect and look after women. Um, but it's evil for a man to be assertive, to lead, to be patriarchal, to be responsible, which we see our forefathers were, to protect women, to be courageous, courageous, such men are, are a danger now in our society and must be silenced. And that's what they're teaching, really. And that's why we see all these social media platforms shutting, shutting anyone that has such, such things down. In fact, they're actually putting them into law, this policy. Now on YouTube, if you say certain things, you can be shut down. Now your channel can be taken off. Senator Josh uh, 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 Hawley um, in America said recently, that American men are working less, they are getting married in fewer numbers, they are fathering fewer children, they are suffering more anxiety and depression, they're engaging in more substance abuse. Uh, and he's got all the stats to back that up, of course. Modern feminists want women to be men. That's their aim. And they want men to be like women. <clears throat> and hence women in combat roles, don't they? Awful thing to put women in, in, a, in a combat, in a military, in a military role, and uh, when that, that's a that, they've got an obvious disadvantage there. It, it's a cruel thing, but in our society, it's become acceptable now. And, and of course, that that also means that that woman, if she dies, like we've seen recently in Afghanistan, if she dies, that she can't have children. As well, it's just cruel, and we see, of course, this with uh, the violent sports now women are doing, like rugby and boxing and such the like. They want men to be like women, don't they? They want men to be less assertive, in other, in other words, timid, emotionally weak, rudderless. Really, they don't, they want that submissive, subordinate, and I do believe that deep down, like I said earlier that every godly woman wants a man to be a man, a godly man, a leader, someone who is assertive in a godly way, in a loving way, someone who is responsible, who takes their responsibility, responsibilities, God-given responsibilities, absolutely dead seriously. I do believe this. Remember David at Ziklag in 1 Samuel 30, when their wives and their children were taken captive by the Amalekites. Do you remember that? And they came back to them. All their children and their wives were taken. And all the men were almost ready to lynch David, weren't they? 
So, I mean, you can, you can imagine what a terrible thing that must have been. But what did David do? He encouraged himself from the Lord, didn't he? And what did he do? What did, what did he do? Did he just did he do what, what many men do nowadays? And even Christian men do nowadays. Which I did, I must say. And put our hands up, that's the sovereignty of God. Well, these things have happened in the sovereignty of God now. So we can't do anything about these things. Many men do that, don't they? Oh, these, the foundations are destroyed. We live in a sinful world. and um, God in His sovereignty has allowed these things. That's what we're doing. Many of us, I did this. But what did he do? He encouraged himself in the Lord. And the Lord gave him the answer. Go after them. You're the protector. You're the one to go after your, your women and your children. To risk your life. To put yourself on the line. It's your responsibility. And he did it, didn't he? And his men. That's what we need to do, don't we? We men. If this is not a problem, this is not the problem with women. It's men. Men aren't being responsible Christian men. Now, we need to get back to this, don't we? And like I said, I do believe that deep down every godly man wants to lead, wants to be assertive, wants to be caring, responsible, protective. And I do believe that a woman will respect a man, and I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not one that's ignorant that these things can be difficult, they, they can come with their challenges. Of course they can. But I do believe in the long term, if we, uh, we, we, we believe by faith in these things, that, that those battles will get far easier, as it were. But I do believe that a godly woman wants these things, deep down, that she may not say it, that, that deep down she really wants these things. And really, a woman, I believe, wants uh, a man to love, to love her, to love her, to willing to lay down his life for her, to do anything to her, work two jobs if need be. And I, and I believe that a woman, a man wants a woman to respect him for that. She, a man wants respect. A woman wants love. A man wants respect. And like I said, much more can be said on this on this this particular subject. Um, so this is our, our third overview. We're going to be going into the particulars um, of feminism in terms of education and, and the, some of the other particulars. But let me just finish on the words of Isaiah 13.21 And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. It's a conscience for a Christian, Christian speaking. The word of God speaking by the conscience and the spirit. This is the way. Go get back to the old parts. Get back to the scriptures. Apply it to every part of our lives. Amen.
Amen.